0: I invite you to open up to 1st Timothy, chapter 4. Isn't it amazing that we could say a little word or um, believe in somebody and how that can change their lives and make an impact in their lives just by saying a little phrase that you believe in them that all of a sudden they're different because you have some faith or courage in them. Um, I was in my teens when I made this uh, club basketball team and you got to imagine me at that time I'm about 80 pounds or 75 pounds and I'm all head. and. Um, and I'm on, like, this stick here, and, and I made this team. Now, to get on the team, you had to, like, stab your mother. It's kind of like the, one of those things, like, you know, it's with delinquents. And, um, and so I make this delinquent team, and I'm on this with all these other guys. And the coach got thrown out of the game, and, and another coach was there, and he looks at me. I mean, imagine this, and he says to me, you have the quickest hands on the team. Me? And you have quick hands. I got into that game, I had, like, three steals. I believed, I, I, he believed in me. I was like, man, what an impact that he made just by looking at me, this scrawny kid who probably shouldn't even have been out there to say, you you have quick hands, you can do it. And I did it by God's grace. And I had a, I had a great game. Um, I don't remember many other games after that, but I remember that one where somebody believed in me. Um, you want to impact somebody, and you want to make a real, lasting impact in their lives. There's ways that we can do it, and there's ways that we shouldn't do it. We can impact people in a good way, and we can impact people in a bad way. If that guy would have came up to me and said, "Look at you, you're 40 pounds wet, you're all head. Your hands are floppy. you probably can't I would have gotten to that game and I wouldn't have had a good game. But he said something to me that really impacted my life. And this morning, I want us to look at a passage. And as you look at this passage, we're going to see Timothy and we're going to see Paul saying to Timothy, I want you to impact somebody's life. I want you to make an impact in their lives, an impact that will last not only in this world, but an impact that we're going to see here in a moment will last for all eternity because we are instruments of God's saving grace. He's going to, he's going to mention in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 11 and on of how we can make an impact in other people's lives. I want you to see the first thing that we need to have here in verse 11 is we need to have convictions and confidence that we believe what we believe. Because sometimes people say, I believe in something, but do you really believe in that is the question. So notice this here in verse 11. He says this. He says, Timothy, here's what I want you to do. I want you to prescribe... And teach these things. The first word there is, I want you to give orders. This is not, these are commands here. These are not just suggestions. I want you to believe what you believe, and I want you to share what you believe, but share what you believe with confidence. Share what you believe with conviction. It is one thing if we go up to somebody and say, you know what, I hope to get to heaven one day. I hope that Jesus is God. I hope that the Bible is true. I hope these things are we really leading with conviction. There's another thing when we come up to somebody and say, you know what, Jesus is God. Jesus is my God. Jesus did die for my sins and was buried and rose again. And I believe, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's my savior and I believe he can save you. That's conviction. And what he's saying is, Timothy, you may be timid, but you got to get up there and you got to lead with conviction. Because if you don't, it's very hard for people to follow somebody that doubts where they're going. Prescribe these things, command them and teach them, share them. We don't just hold on to our convictions What the Bible says we share it with others. He says here, teach these, command them. And and here's the problem. Verse 12. When you're young, people tend to look down on you. And and let me just tell you this. Age is relative. You know why? Because if you're a 40-year-old person in the army, you are an old fart all right now what amen all right if you're in the army and you're 40 you're old and they're ready to get you out of there get out of there if you're 40 and you're a president of the united states you're a what you're a youngin who are you to teach me this and and here's here's what's interesting i love how age is relative because whenever i think it used to be that when I would go to churches, they would say, we have this young man preaching here today. His name is Jerry. They don't say that anymore. I don't know why they, they stopped saying that. I mean, why don't they say, oh, this young man's coming up to the pulpit and preach? It's no longer a young man. Now I'm getting to a half a century. I think, wow, a half a century I'm going to turn this year. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that old? And then I look at Chalmer. <laughs> he turned 94 this year. This month, this week, I'm sorry, this week he turned 94. Wow. He's home taking a nap right now. He turned 94. <laughs> 50 is nothing compared to 94. But here's, what pro- here's the problem. Back then, you were if you were between your 30s and 40s, you were a youngin. Who are you to teach me when you're 30 and 40 about life? Who do you think you are? And people decided to despise people and and look down on him and say, well, he'll grow. He's only 30. He'll grow. He'll learn when he's 50, 60, 70. Wait till he's my age. And then he'll really understand things. Look what he says here. If we're going to have a life that impacts others, we got to have a life where people don't look down on us, but they look up to us. And how does this happen that people won't look down on us, but will look up to us? Notice this in verse 12. It's because we set a godly example. Watch what he says here. He says, let no one look down on your youthfulness. Timothy was probably in between the ages of 30 and 40. We don't know exactly how old, but he was young to be a pastor. Who was he to teach people about marriage when he when, and, and teach people about raising children when his children, if he hadn't, were small, if he was married? Who is he, 30 or 40? What does he know that youngin'? Don't let anyone look down on you, Timothy. But don't get into the pulpit and say to people, you need to look up to me, I'm the pastor. Here's how you do it. You set the example. Notice this here in verse 12. Show yourself an example, a typos, a mark, an imprint for people to follow. You say an imprint in what? He mentions five things here in verse 12. These are the things that we need to work on so that people would look up and see Christ in us. The first thing is speech. In other words, we need to say what we mean and mean what we say. In other words, we need to be willing to tell the truth even when it's hard. In other words, we got to be careful, if you're like me, using humor and sarcasm not to rip down other people. That's easy to do. In other words, when people hear what we say, they believe what we say, we speak the truth. We're not speaking empty talk like we really don't believe this or speaking things that won't come true or saying we would do something and don't do it. No, our speech matters. He says, set the example on what you say, but be careful. Not only your lips, it better match your life. Look at this here. You speak what you say, mean and look at your conduct. It ought to match your lips. In other words, don't unsay with your life what you're saying with your lips. Boy, I'm still convicted of this story. When, when Johnny was five years old and we get to this house and there's this big, big thing of candy out on the table. And what does a five year old do when he sees a big thing of candy? Goes up to it and just grabs it. I go, Johnny, don't do that. Johnny, we're in someone else's house. You need to ask before you take anyone's candy. Don't just grab somebody's candy. Oh, I'm sorry, Dad, I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, Johnny, don't don't do that. 10 minutes pass by and what do I do? I grab some candy. The guy in the house that owned the house, he said, Jeremy, you didn't ask me. (laughs) I just unsaid with my life what I said with my lips. Now, if that continues in a consistent pattern of that, we lose credibility. He says, Timothy, you set the example in what you say and you live what you say. And you confess when you don't. Because we all make that mistake. But don't, don't tear down with one hand what you're building up with another. If you're gonna say it, you gotta do it. And so watch your mouth, and and then, and watch your conduct. Your life should should match that. And look at the next one. This this really convicted me because as you as you study this, uh, we need to be an example in love. And here's here's the problem. We don't know what that word means. We use that word in so many different ways. I used it two weeks ago in a sermon. I love Antonio's pizza. What does that mean? Do I want the pizza to fill it fulfill its potential or do I want to destroy the thing love in my in that text means I want it to satisfy me I want it to give me feelings I want it to do for me we use that for the word love that is not love. Love in the Bible seeks the spiritual well-being of the object loved. it's not about us. if I say I love my wife that means'm I want her to be all that God wants her to be. I was just um, talking to a pastor in Ecuador. He says, we got a couple in our church that said they don't love each other anymore. What do we do? And I said, I said what is love? What, what kind of love are they talking about? Well, he doesn't do for me. That's not love. Love is seeking the spiritual well-being of the object loved. And if we really love people and an example of love, we're going to love people who can care less about us and do nothing for us. And still love them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And then listen what the Bible says. While we were yet sinners, God demonstrated his love for us and Christ died for us. We offered nothing to God, but he loved us. He said, set that example. There's going to be people who are going to look down on you and criticize you and say all things. You make sure you love them. You love those people who drive you crazy, who say things that are bad about you, who talk behind your back, whatever it may be. You seek the spiritual well-being of that person. That's an example. You're an example in faith. You really trust God. And you believe that God is able to do things in you and you have a confidence in God and a confidence in God's power. You set the example. You believe God can change lives. And so you trust in him. There's a one missionary. Somebody asked him, do you believe you can change people's lives? He goes, no, but I believe God can. Faith. And then the last one, purity. And this is so much more than staying away from pornography. He's dealing with women in the church. And he has to know how to deal with them. Younger, older. How do you deal with an older woman in the church? How do you deal with a younger woman in the church? We'll come in a couple of weeks, I'll tell you. But you know, how do you deal? How do you deal with these? How do you deal? I'll tell you how we deal with them. With all purity. Either they're my wife, and there's only one of those, or they're my sister. There's no in between. And so we treat them with purity. And one pastor said, my, my people's greatest needs is my personal holiness. Be the example in that. I was just talking to a, a pastor the other day, talking about a church in Denver it was 200 people, and then the pastor started counseling a couple, fell in love with the girl, and, and committed adultery with her and destroyed the church. Be an example in purity. Live a life, he's saying here, if you really want to make an impact in, in, in somebody's life, live a life where they can look up to you, regardless of your age. They look up to you because of your speech. You're a man or a woman of your word. They look up to you because of your conduct. You're the same person everywhere you go. They look up to you because you love people and you really seek the spiritual well-being of somebody else. They look up to you because you have trust in God and they look up to you because you know how to treat the opposite sex in a sex-crazed world. He says, live in such a way that they don't look down, but they look up to you. Now, look at this. If we really want to make an impact, we got to embrace the scriptures and share the scriptures. I love this here. Look at verse 13. Emphasize God's word. He says, until I come. Here's what you give attention to when you come to church. You give attention to three things. I love this. Reading is only one word in the Greek here. The word there means to speak out loud. Speak God's word out loud. In other words, like in the synagogues, in the synagogues, if you were to go to a synagogue, they would open up the Old Testament scriptures and they would speak God's word out loud. And then after they did that, somebody would get up And encourage people to live God's word. And they would teach people what God's word says. Now look what he says here. What you ought to do. He says, I want you to get up and give attention to this. When people come together in public worship. Here's what you ought to do. You ought to speak God's word out loud. You ought to exhort people. And you ought to teach people what God's word says. That is preaching. You say, what is the difference between preaching and teaching? Teaching is just explaining what it says and leaving it there. So one of my professors came up with a new word. It's called treaching. (laughs) We're treachers. You say, what is a treacher? A treacher is somebody who gets into the pulpit, explains God's word, reads God's word, and says, don't sit there, do God's word. Exhorts. That's the hard part. (laughs) Um... Interesting here in verse 13, the word and is not there. And so really what he's saying is you get the public reading of the scripture. You exhort people and you teach them. You explain it. You tell them how to implement it into their lives. You exhort them to do it. You get there and you emphasize God's word. You are not here to hear my opinion. You are not here to find out what's going on in the news. You are here to find out what God says. And my job, and I love it, to get up, read it, preach it, and say, do it. Amen. Now, one amen. Well, we better keep going on here. Here's how we got to do it. It's an, you want to impact people's lives. You don't impact people's lives by your opinions. You impact people's lives by giving them God's word and explaining God's word. Not by, here's how I think you should live life, you know, really, because my grandfather lived life like this, and it turned out well for him. You should, no, no, I want to hear what God says. And explain what God says. And so we impact people with the word of God. But now verse 14, here's what happens. He says in verse 12, don't let anyone else look down on you. But in verse 14, here's our tendency. We look down on ourselves. We think we're nothing. We think that God can never use us. We think that we're worthless. We think that we have nothing to offer anybody. What can I offer anybody? And so God can never use me. Look what he says to Timothy here in verse 14. This is beautiful. Do not neglect. Don't minimize. Don't despise. Don't be careless in this area. You have a spiritual gift. Use it. Everyone who is a believer has a spiritual gift. The spiritual gift is not to make you spiritual. The spiritual gift is to help the church grow and to build up the local church. And so you have a gift. Somebody says, well, what's my gift? Oh, that's a great question. And my response to it is, I don't know. Here's how you figure out your gift. You pray, you serve God, and other people may see it, and guess what? You say, wow, I'm gifted in this area. Here's what's beautiful. Look at verse 14. He got this gift. He was he was trying to neglect this gift or being careless in this gift. And he says, look, this gift came in verse 14, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance. In other words, the Holy Spirit was there through a message. It was imparted to you. You were given this gift and you put the hands, the laying on the hands of the Presbyterian. In other words, what he's saying here is that there were elders there as well who also saw that you were given a gift. And so what he's telling Timothy here is God has called you to impact people and he has gifted you to impact people. Use it. Because here's what happens. People say, well, I don't know. My gift is. I don't know what God is in. So they don't use anything and they never impact anybody with the very power that God has given them to minister. And sometimes it does take somebody to look at you and say, this is what God has gifted you in. One of my first sermons, I preached, I could not wait to get out of the pulpit. I thought it was the worst thing in the world. I was shaken. I hated it. I was reading it. It was terrible. And the pastor's wife came up to me and said, you're a gifted speaker. I said, I'm a gifted what? You're a gifted speaker. I remember in one of our leadership meetings, Steve Sullivan looked at Steve and um, stout and said to him, you're an elder. Sometimes we need people to look at us and say, you know what? you're a good servant. you serve behind the scenes, you're amazing. or you're a good speaker, you can exhort people and you can you can challenge people. sometimes we need that. but I'm here to tell you all of us have it and and, here, and here's what he says in verse 15, this is not something easy. I couldn't wait to get. This verse is the verse. If you if you don't get anything out of today, get verse 50. This verse is beautiful. Look at this verse. This is, this is amazing. I was so excited about 15. I was going to skip 11 to 4. But I got to get there. Look at 15. This is, this is amazing here. He tells them, I want you to impact people. I want you to use your gift. But it doesn't just happen automatically. Here's how it happens. You take pains. With these things. It is hard work. You don't just sit there. You got to do something. To be able to see this in your life. And see God working in your life. You take pains. You, you plan this out. It doesn't just happen overnight. And this next word really got me. Be absorbed in them. Literally in the Greek. Is be all in. Because here's what happens. People come to places and they say, you know what? I don't know if I want to serve. And I don't, I don't really know if I want God to use my... And they have this half-hearted way of Christianity. And they're never all in anywhere they go. Because they always find something wrong with something. And so they say, I can't be all in here. And I can't be all in here. And I can't be all in here. And they never grow. Alistair Begg said a beautiful line. He said, there is no ideal place to serve God other than the place where he puts you. But you have to be all there. You got to be all in. (laughs) Here's what was beautiful. We were interviewing the pilcos. I'm going to pick on you, Richard. And I said, what do you want to do? I've never gotten this response in all the membership interviews I've ever. What do you want to do? He says, whatever Jesus asked me to do, I say yes. I say yes. Then his daughter, who wasn't paying attention, she was probably on Instagram, I don't know what she was doing. <laughs> we asked her, so Michelle, what do you want to do? And she you know what she said? Anything that God asked me to do, I'll do. Impacted from the father's heart, went down to the daughter. You got to be all there. Here's someone in another country, in another culture, in another language, who says, I'm all in. In Argentina, what we would do is we would tell people, put the jersey on. You would have a favorite team. Your favorite team's jersey doesn't need to be in the closet. You need to put the jersey on and get in the game. And when someone would put the jersey on, they would say, I got my jersey on. I'm all in. Here's why this is important. If we live a half-hearted Christianity... Where we are not all in. Where we don't say, God, whatever you want to do with my life, I'm willing to let you do whatever you want. Here, whatever you say to me, I will do. Here's what happens. Look at verse 15. It says, so that your progress will be evident to all. In other words, so that you will grow. You won't grow if you're not all in. And as you are all in taking pains and and serving God and doing the best with the abilities that you have and the gifts he's given, you will grow. You will progress. And guess what's exciting about this? It will be evident to all people. They will say, wow, you are growing while you were serving God. But now look at you. You're amazing. You're progressing in your spiritual life. That word is a military word of somebody who's a pioneer who goes out and makes sure everything is clean and everything is ready so that other people can follow him. You go and be a pioneer. You progress. He says, Timothy, you got to be all there. You got to be all in. You got to be committed. And it will be evident to all people that you're growing. Now, here's why. What happens to us? Here's what happens to us. We say, man, I want to impact people's lives. Wow, thank you, Pastor. I was a sermon. I'm, gonna, I'm ready to impact people's lives. So I'm going to do it. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let God use my gifts, and I'm going to do everything. And then we start seeing problems, and we start dealing with people, and Satan starts to discourage us. And you know what we say? I'm done. Or as one guy wrote me a letter one time, and he said, To me, he was a leader. He said, Jeremy, you prayed for a hurting church. I didn't. I'm done. I'm gone. I'm out of here. And so, verse 16 is so important. Timothy, I want you to impact lives. I want you to have conviction. Verse 11, I want you to set the example. Verse 12, I want you to emphasize the scripture. Verse 13, I want you to use your gift in verse 14 and 15. But don't forget this, Timothy. You need to stick it out. Look at verse 16. You pay close attention to yourself. Watch your speech. Watch your conduct. Watch your love. Watch your faith. Watch your purity. Watch those things, Timothy. Pay close attention to those things. Pay close attention to yourself. Watch your own devotional life. Make sure you're walking with God and and confessing sin. Watch those things. And look at the other thing watch what you're teaching. Watch your doctrine, make sure that you're teaching sound doctrine. You be careful, you don't drift away. You be careful, you preach God's word. Watch those things and then look at it. He says, persevere in these things. Stick it out. Don't quit. Don't quit every little bump in the road. And if you're like me, you know how many times I want to quit this every Sunday? Every Sunday afternoon, I'm on ad.com. FedEx was nice. No package ever gave me grief. Never talked back to me. If it did, I threw it. But there are discouragements after discouragements that happen when you try to minister and impact lives that are tremendous. And my biggest discouragement every week is the person I see in the mirror. Because I look at passages like this and I say, holy cow, God help me. And then Satan puts those things in your mind that you're done, you're ready to roll. and, And people say little things and they're little things. They don't mean much, but you just let it mean so much. So just little things. And we say we're done and we quit and we run and then we get to the next place and the excitement starts again and we're like wow this is great you know man this is and then the problems come again cuz everywhere we go they're there there's no ideal place except where god puts you and satan is going to tell you to stop things are going to tell you to stop and we just quit And let me just tell you something. Can you imagine if I got up here this Sunday and said, you know what, guys? I'm done with you. I'm done with this church. I'm going back to FedEx. Lord bless you. And they're like, he's supposed to be our example. And then he, he, he quits on us? Or when somebody who is in a prominent position in the church says, I'm done with this. I'm done with you guys. I can't deal with this anymore. He says, Timothy, you make sure that you stick things out. You know why? Because now this is going to get really serious. Look at verse 16. Because you are an instrument in God's hands for the salvation of others. Watch this. This is, this is amazing. No one lives in a vacuum. No one lives to themselves. No one can say, well, people don't care less if I'm gone or I won't hurt anybody if I just stick to myself. No one is like that. Your life matters and my life matters. In fact, it matters a lot. Look at this in verse 16. Timothy, you take care of yourself. Take care of your teaching. You stick this out. Why? Why? Because as you do this, you will ensure the salvation both for yourself and those who hear you. In other words, there are souls in danger and your life matters. And if you think you can get up and just live your own life and you can care less what other people think, watch out. There are people watching us. And God help us if they ever say, if that's the guy who has Jesus, I want nothing to do with Jesus. Or as in Peru, when I was a young guy knocking on doors, one lady said to me, does that person go to your church three doors down? I said, yeah, she's a faithful member. Well, if she goes to that church, I'd rather go to hell than have what she has. I couldn't believe it. We are instruments in God's hands to preach the gospel to others. But they want to see if what we have is real. He says, you ensure for yourself the salvation for both yourself and for those who hear you. When we first got a few years ago with RSBCE, we were helping Tim with his mission. We went to a church, um, actually I think it was Mesa. We were at Mesa and we met this guy, he was from Mexico and he was was pastoring a church, a Hispanic church and there was something off. We couldn't figure out what was off but he seemed very discouraged and we didn't know what was going on but he seemed like something was going on. He wouldn't talk to me but he would talk to Katie And he would go up to Katie and speak Spanish and everything. But to me, for some reason, he wouldn't talk. But that was okay. I didn't know. Maybe he was just shy or whatever was going on. Find out that this guy had a ministry with the police department. And this guy raped one of the police officer's daughters. Twice. Not once. This guy's... Wife. Can you imagine a wife and four beautiful children? They have to pack their bags, move back to Mexico. The ministry is done. We just got a letter this week from the pastor who's ministering there in English. And he said this, we are still dealing with the consequences of what this guy did. If you think you live on an island, you've missed it. Your life matters. And you will impact people either towards God or away from God. And so here's what we need to do. We need to live with a confident conviction of what God, what he says in his word is true. And we need to share that with others. We need to ask God to help us to have people not look down on us, but to look up to us because we are showing Christ through us. We need to emphasize what he says here in his word, and we need to allow him to use the gifts that he's given to us to impact others. But we need to be careful in verse 16. Before we're trying to impact everybody else, that we forget to take care of our own souls. that guy is in federal prison right now and I don't know when he's getting out. But the pain he has caused is tremendous. I pray that God would use each one of us to make an impact in the lives of others. Don't look down on yourself and say you can't change anyone's life. You can. When Vice President at that time, Pence, was invited to go to a concert, it was raining that day, and he went, and as he went, there was not many people there, the people who were t- putting on the concert at that time felt bad, that not many came, but they preached the gospel, and Vice President Pence got saved. He said, here God brought me to a concert, it rained, people weren't in it, but then God used that to impact my life so that now that I can impact others. God wants to use you. You have a message to share, so share it and allow God to use you. Let's pray. Father, as we come into your presence You know our needs. Sometimes we get so self-absorbed with ourselves that we forget that there are needs around us and their greatest need is the gospel. So Lord, I pray that we would be people of conviction, that we would know what your word says and stand on it firm, Believing it. That God, that you would help us to have lives where people don't look down, but look up to us, Lord, because they see Christ in us. That we would be careful with our speech, with our conduct, with our love, with our faith, and with our purity. Because lives are at risk. That we would emphasize your word. It's not about our opinions and our thoughts or what we think. It's about... Would you say? And that, Lord, we would use the gifts that you've given to us to build up your body and to minister both here and around the world. But, Father, it takes commitment on our part. And, Lord, you don't want just for us to be half-hearted and semi-in. You want us to be all-in. So, God, I pray for each one here today that they would say in their hearts Lord, I am all in. Use me today. There is no ideal place to serve you, except the place that you put us today. So use me today to be an instrument of salvation, to share the good news so that others can hear, believe and be saved. Father, I pray, God, you know the hearts here. I pray if there's anyone here living half-hearted that today they would say, Lord, whatever you say, God, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm in. I'll do it. Yes. I was so encouraged with what Richard said that whatever Jesus asked me to do, I say yes. God, may that be the cry of our hearts. We say yes. Yes. <laughs> You want us to talk to a neighbor, we say yes. You want us to change certain things in our lives, Father, we say yes. You want us to serve more in the church, we say yes. Whatever you ask us to do, we say yes. We're all in. Help us to guard our personal devotional life. That's so easy, Lord. (laughs) We want to impact others. We want to serve others that we forget about our own personal walk with you. Help us to guard that, to treasure that, to continue to grow in that. And then help us, Lord, as we teach to to teach the things that your word says. And then most of all, God, I pray that you help us to stick it out. We're all weak. We all want to give up. It's the little things that really bother us. And you know. them. So God, I pray, I beg you that you help us to stay at the task. We can in our own strength. We need you. Everything inside of us wants to give up. So we lean upon you and your grace and your strength. And we ask you to help us, Father, to stick it out whether it's a bad job or a friendship that has gone away, whatever it may be, that, Father, we would stick it out and show love to them. Help us, O God. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.